all, and we appreciate Rita Wright playing the organ today as Colleen's away for some well-deserved vacation. Surely some of you have read the book. It is entitled, How to Achieve Heaven on Earth. It is a compilation of 101 essays by some of the world's most well-known leaders. Contributors to the book include former President George Bush, former President Barack Obama, former Vice President Al Gore, uh, political commentator David Brooks, and former British Prime Minister Tony Blair. The gist of the book, the theme of the book, is the actualization of the vision that Jesus gave us when he taught us to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. One of my favorite essays in the book is written by Christine Barnes, and she writes about the challenge of bringing our whole selves to our work. She argues that our spirituality, that our values, that our dreams ought to be a part of our labor. And she calls this engagement. She defines engagement as the extent to which employees commit to someone or something and how hard they work and how long they stay because of that commitment. We might say that to be engaged, to have that kind of commitment, is to have some skin in the game. My favorite chapter in that book, How to Achieve Heaven on Earth, is written by our own Dr. Bill Barrick. And Dr. Barrick reawakens and expands the vision of how to achieve heaven on earth by taking us back to the very beginning of God's original purpose that we live and work in a garden. And as I read his reflection, it caused me just to think, what if every person on earth could feel again and act upon that impulse to create, to live, to care for a garden? What if every person on earth could feel again the impulse, the call to live and work in harmony with God's rhythms of creation? In his article, Bill attributes his deep awareness of this call to his grandfather, a man who lived to be over a hundred years old, who was a farmer, and who instilled in his family a deep sense of stewardship for the soil, for all that contributes to the soil, for all that comes out of the soil. Now, whether we know it or not, this is at the core of who we are as people created in God's image. Humanity's first vocation is to till and to care for that which God gives us. Stewardship means that we care so much about that which God has given us that we dare not abuse it, we dare not neglect it, we dare not take it for granted. To be a steward is to gratefully commit to using God's good gifts for God's glory and for God's good purpose. I do appreciate the gardens at Dauphin Way, don't you? 
they are like little pieces of heaven on earth. And I often enjoy just looking at them or sitting in them. They are a refuge. We know, of course, that these gardens do not uh, create themselves. They, they do not sustain themselves. Uh, there is sacrifice and work involved. And thank goodness for the gardeners who keep up the gardens. I'm reminded of an old story about a preacher who went visiting this young fellow who had moved on to an old abandoned farmstead. Uh, the farm hadn't been uh, farmed in many years, and he was going to bring it back to life. The preacher went to see him and commenting on his work, the preacher said, I just love what you and the Lord have done with this place. To which the man replied, yeah, you should have seen it when the Lord had it by himself. (laughs) It is an astonishing truth, isn't it? That the work that God would have done achieving heaven on earth, God them coming on earth as in heaven, God's will being done on earth as in heaven, it depends totally upon God and it depends totally upon us. We are made in God's image and at the core of our being made in God's image is this collaboration with God in the ongoing processes of creation. Now, of course, God sustains the planet in ways that are beyond our grasp. We don't cause the sun to come up in the morning, do we? There are lots of things that God does for which we're not responsible. And yet, for God's specific will to be done, for God's purposes to be achieved on this planet, we are required. We have to have some skin in this game if it is to be played. And so we read of the children of Israel. They are on their way to the promised land. And the Lord commands them to build a sanctuary. Moses issues the call for people to donate uh, items, uh, gifts, treasures to be used in the construction of this portable uh, sanctuary, this tabernacle. And the people respond overwhelmingly. They bring so much that their leaders finally have to say to them, enough, enough, we have enough, don't bring any more. And we wonder about their extravagance, their generosity. Why this over-the-top response? Well, one cynic said that the reason they brought all this stuff was that they were tired of of, uh, lugging it around in the wilderness and they thought, well, we'll put it in the tabernacle and let the priest carry it. Maybe so, but I think their real reason, the real reason for their generosity is their gratitude and their vision. These Israelites know that they are on a pilgrimage toward becoming the people of God. And they know that they are there because God has saved them. God has rescued them, liberated them, led them, provided for them. And they are grateful for the very fact that they are here and not back as slaves in Egypt. They understand furthermore that the Lord is taking them to a place of promise. Their destiny is to live in a land where they will graze their animals and plant their crops and experience the abundance of God's good creation. Moreover, the more visionary of them see even further that God is forming them into a people through whom the whole world will be blessed. 
And so with gratitude, with vision, they generously bring. They want to be a part of this. This is their time. This is their place. This is their season of life to do what they can. And they give abundantly, gladly, fully, grateful for what God is doing among them. Now, this one act, of course, does not make them perfect. It is not the be-all and end-all of their lives or their faith. But it does count. By this act of obedience, they move forward. And they make the future possible. Because of their faithfulness, hundreds of years later, God's people gather around Jesus. And they are hungry. And Jesus feeds them. Jesus feeds them because of the faithfulness of this boy who has these five loaves and two fish. And we can imagine this lad looking at the Savior and saying to Jesus, Sir, I want to be a part of what you are doing. And he gives his gifts. And the Lord uses them to multiply the gifts. And all of the people are fed. And now here we are, all of these years later, gathered here because of the faithfulness of the children of Israel, because of the faithfulness of that little boy. And we remember that they were faithful in their time. And we ask, will we be faithful in our time? Next Sunday, we will recognize and appreciate our children. Our children are both the present and the future of the church. Then two Sundays from now, we will have Dr. Jim Wallace here. What an extraordinary opportunity. Dr. Wallace will challenge us. We and our community leaders will be inspired, will be informed, will be convicted. I predict that all of us will be changed for the better by his being here. And then on September 30th, we will begin to focus on the difference we make as a congregation. For three Sundays, we will celebrate the various dimensions of God's transforming work among us. Then on October 21st, we will make commitments to support that work that enables us to make a difference in the community and in the world. And when we think about what is just immediately ahead of us, what amazing gifts we have received. You'll see next Sunday all of those children. There are a large number of children. You'll be amazed by Dr. Jim Wallace. And then when we begin to examine and celebrate all of the things we're doing, you're going to be amazed by all of that. And as we prepare for all of that, and as we ask ourselves the question, what will we do to make possible the work of God in our time? I have some news that I'd rather not give. And I give this with apologies to anyone who may be visiting with us today. This is sort of the kind of thing that families talk about when they're by themselves, but we, we need to talk about it. 
And here I'm reminded of the old preacher, another old preacher story. I'm full of preacher stories today. The reverend stands before his congregation. He says, I've got good news and bad news. The good news is that our church has all the money it needs. The bad news is that most of it's still in our pockets. Well, the truth is, and I shared this with our leaders on Wednesday night, or Richard actually shared it with them. The truth is that our operating fund, our general fund, our budget is meager in comparison to the kind of work we're trying to do here. Our budget is meager and we're not meeting the budget. We haven't been meeting it for a long time. And we've been borrowing from ourselves and we've gotten to a place now we can't do that anymore. And that's just the truth of the matter. The good news is that we do not intend to stay here in this place of scarcity. One way or the other, we will live within our means. One way is to cut the budget, which will mean to cut programs and to cut people. But I am confident that we prefer the other way. And the other way will be for us to take our cue from the children of Israel and from that little boy. The other way is for all of us to give from the abundance with which God has blessed us. To give for the abundance with which God will bless us. And I am confident that we will do it. I think the only reason you haven't been doing it is you didn't know you needed to do it. Now you do. Now we do. We are a grateful people. We are grateful to be here in this wonderful place with all of these gifts, with all of these people. We are being liberated. We are being saved from sin and self and the evil powers of this world. We are on the way to the promised land of God's kingdom. We are able to create, with God's help, by God's grace, little places where heaven is achieved on earth. In so many ways, we are like a garden in the midst of a wilderness. And we're grateful. Many of us, many of us can attest that Dauphin Way has been here for us when we needed it. True? And we have a vision. We believe that we can make disciples who make a difference. And we are committed to making that difference. And for that reason, I am confident that we will respond. When I read Bill's article, and I've read it several times, and I thought about my childhood and how growing up on a farm, we were taught that the soil was our greatest resource. 
And by soil, we didn't just mean dirt. We meant the dirt and all that goes with it. All of those microorganisms, all of the things that go with the soil to make it fruitful. That it was the medium in which life could emerge and food and fiber could be produced. And we were to care for that. We were to appreciate it and never take it for granted. And we here in the church, we are more than any one thing. We are the sum of all of the parts, more than the sum of the parts, really. All of the people, all of the relationships, and all of them are important. And to care for that, to appreciate that, to not take that for granted, to never neglect or abuse but to humbly use what God has given us for God's glory and God's good purpose. 